0: One way to increase faith is to read books written by other men and women of faith. Through reading, we can not only expand our intellectual horizons, but we can expand our spiritual horizons as well. Tonight's guest, Linda Prince, has written a book entitled Inklings. This book has nourished the faith of many, including myself, And in the next few moments, you're gonna get to meet Linda and we're gonna talk about some of the treasures between the front and back cover of her book entitled, Inklings. Linda, welcome to the Raven's Heart live stream and podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on this evening.
1: Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for having me.
0: So the title of your book is Inklings. And before we dive into the depths of what's in the book, can you explain to us what an inkling is?
1: Uh, Yes, um, I'll give you two definitions. From a spiritual standpoint, it's that still small voice. um, When you know something that you don't uh, know why you know it or how you know it, Uh, uh, in the spiritual sense it would be considered a Holy Spirit prompting. There are also uh, secular writings about uh, inklings. There's a rather recent book called Blink, B-L-I-N-K, by Malcolm Gladwell. but it just talks about how you sometimes just know something. You can look at a painting, for example, and even though it's a very good forgery, you know it's a forgery. You just know that it's not It's it's not right. Uh, so that's an inkling. It's a word that used to be commonly used. You don't hear it as much anymore.
0: No, you don't. Would you also describe an inkling maybe as what we would call a hunch? Are those pretty much the same thing?
1: Yeah, it, it, we used to, um, I, I spent a lot of time in the corporate world. We used to even hire for it. You would hire for people that had good instinct um, and you, you know, instinct doesn't come from data. It doesn't come from knowledge, but it's just instinct. So yes, it's a hunch when it comes from the Holy Spirit, it seems to repeat itself. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it seems to stick with you if it's Holy Spirit. And, and also bring peace. I mean, one of the things is learning to distinguish uh, where the prompt is coming from. So when it's from the Holy Spirit, it comes with a sense of peace. And and he uh, does tend to remind.
0: Quick question, and I want to talk about this a little bit more. These inklings and these hunches, you said that people used to hire for that, that corporations used to hire for yeah. that have you found that in western culture and especially in the westernized church that that's kind of suppressed today that people kind of just shrug that off as not being real
1: It it is shrugged off um and i am not sure what we're coming into a time where we'll we will need to rely on it more but it is shrugged off uh, we have a tendency to believe in our own intellect our own ability to reason our own ability to collect data and make sound decisions based on the data and it's it's gotten pushed by the wayside but happenings of the last 18 months have proven us that there's a limit to how much we can do without the still small voice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I run into brick walls without the still small voice. It's really, it's amazing how life improves when you start listening to that still small voice. And I can really relate to how the Holy spirit keeps reminding you. And sometimes that still small voice has to get a little bit louder and louder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What I saw a t-shirt once and I wish I'd bought it. It said, uh, God speaks as softly as he can and as loudly as necessary. Uh, And that is at least it's been true in my life.
0: (laughs) One of the things that I've come to learn is that God reveals his plans to us through the hunches, through the inklings, through the still small voice, through what I call a lot of times breadcrumbs. And for me, sometimes this gets absolutely frustrating because it's like, okay, God, why don't you just show me everything? Just lay it all out in front of me so I can see where you want me to go, make it clear. Why does God show us things in inklings with the still small voice instead of just laying out the big plan?
1: Well, I, I think uh, partly because if he showed us everything, it would just absolutely overwhelm us. We likely wouldn't believe him. Uh, if he showed, I mean, if God were to um, unveil my life uh, today, 25 years ago, I, I just, I don't know, I would have probably been petrified. But the scripture says that uh, he will do abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. Um, and I think it's always abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. So he revealed and then plus just revealing the next step creates trust. I mean, part of it is learning to trust him and learning to take and be obedient for the next step. And then he'll reveal the next one, or at least that's my experience. And even people I know that are like real clear on their calling, like where they're going to do it, when it, you know, the where, the when, the the how, all of that is revealed over time.
0: What are some ways that God reveals or gives you that hunch. And I want to ask specifically, have you had any experience or known anybody that's had some of those inklings given maybe possibly in dreams at night when they're asleep and God speaks to them that way, or, you know, of course we know through the word, but specifically about dreams. I'm kind of curious about that before we get into the book.
1: Yes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> people joke that it's always at three o'clock in the morning. I'm not sure why, uh, but I, and I'm sure it isn't always at three o'clock in the morning. But yes, people do get them. And I actually um, I heard a talk last night and then then a dinner afterwards, and two of the people were sharing dreams that they had had. And, it, and with all of their dreams, it's not just any old dream. Um, there were these two, one for each of them that that uh, stood out and it, uh, it just kept coming to mind for them and then was gradually revealed what God was saying through the dream. One of them was quite a beautiful dream about heaven, actually, uh, which was uh, pretty amazing. But yes, I do think that God uh, speaks through dreams and he, he speaks through other people. I mean, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, he'll put something on your heart and then someone else will say something that's completely just consistent with it. And, you know, it's a second nudge.
0: I would have to agree, agree with the three o'clock in the morning, because when I have had dreams like that, typically it is at three o'clock or at four o'clock in the morning when those I wake up, I'm like, oh, okay, wow, it's three o'clock again. I think it has something to do with the watches. If we take a look in scripture and see what time, I think that oh, was interesting. the, yeah, I, I think I'll the- yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to take a look into that. That'll be another topic that we hit on a future live stream and, uh, and talk about. So your book Inklings also has a subtitle and it's a very mysterious subtitle. I like this. It's the heavens are up to something. And then later on in the introduction, I believe it is, you say that this something is a clear present and unique outpouring. What is this outpouring? What are you getting at? What are you seeing that that might be coming?
1: Well, this is, this is one of those God incidents because I had an opportunity uh, breakfast meeting this morning with a gentleman who has traveled the world doing evangelism work. Um, and we were talking about a great awakening and we were talking about um, some just signs of awakening that he has seen in his, his Christian travels. Uh, and I said to him, I think the next one, instead of being wrapped around an individual like George Whitfield. Uh, or Jonathan Edwards, um, it w- will be these little uh, pockets of heaven coming down, and that it will be lots of people sharing the truth, and um, God taking those little seeds and turning them into something something great. So I don't know. People ask me if if another great awakening is coming, and I say yes, one way or the other, either Christ returns or there's another outpouring and, and a great awakening is merely just heaven coming to, to earth uh, and in in the souls of, of people. And they see two things. I mean, they see themselves as God sees them in, in their sin. And um, they get just tiny, tiny glimpses of the majesty and, and glory of God. And the awesomeness of that vast divide is what causes all the things that uh, generally get talked about the physical signs of, of the awakening.
0: I've been hearing that and I've been sensing that and was have been actually sensing that for several years that God is going to do something that we're not quite expecting and it's going to be in mm-hmm. unexpected ways and come from unexpected people, not from where we would think that it would come from and souls are going to get saved. And, you know, we know that before the end of the age, there's going to be that one last person. Yeah, I, We don't know who it is that right. God is going to save. We don't know who it is. And it, it's coming because everything that we're doing and everything that all of this is about know what you're writing what we're doing here is about the great commission sharing the gospel Mm -hmm. with people and giving people a glimpse of god's glory so with the book why did you feel compelled to write this book inklings
1: i um my it was a long obedience in the same in the same direction so um The Lord would have me. I I spent about a 10 year period doing research on the glory of God, which is a rather odd thing to dig into. Um, And there's not much that you can find, that's virtually nothing that's contemporary. And then after that, I was led to do research into calling and I um, did some reading, but I I interviewed 40 people about their calling. And I actually thought that this was to be written. as fiction, and there was so much that came out of, not as fiction, as nonfiction. There was so much that came out of these interviews. I, I, I thought we, you know, it, the book will be a thousand pages long. And um, there's so much that was in the Holy Spirit realm that if you were to write about it in, in nonfiction, it would be very hard to convey the, the full truth of what I learned. So, uh, that combined with the fact that I absolutely hate the, the details of nonfiction, like footnotes, and, <laughs> and I'd much rather just tell a story. So, uh, <laughs> the Lord led me to write it as fiction.
0: And what's really interesting is I don't read fiction but I read your book and was absolutely enthralled mm-hmm. with it. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. We have some comments that are coming up. Uh, we have Yaz, my God, who's watching us on YouTube live. And he says, amen to everything that is being being said, and he also, when we were talking about the outpouring, he talked about the book of Acts and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And yeah, I I believe that, well, we are living in the time of Acts still, Uh, you know, God's spirit is moving. And I think sometimes we suppress and don't understand the time that we're living in. But I think maybe part of that awakening is really realizing that, hey, we're, we're here you know this is this is what we're what we're about is that's the church is living in the time of the book of acts so you said that this was a 10-year process is that how long it took you to complete this entire project
1: well probably the writing part took seven years but um this is this is an unusual um Piece to this calling to write because most people who write have just always loved to write and always wanted to do this. And I am way too right brain for that. I am uh, artistic, uh, but writing, getting it from the creative side of my brain over to the other side so that you can actually uh, write it down is not difficult, it is difficult for me. So some of that was just writers' conferences and um, hiring a writing coach. I wanted it to be really good. I wanted it to be a good read that, that people really liked. So I worked on the craft.
0: Would you say that people who are more creative are sometimes more sensitive to the spirit and spiritual things? Have you noticed that? I know that's a question completely out of left field right now, but I'm just curious. No, no,
1: no, it's, it's not, um, I, I, you know there may be something to, to document this and support it but i don't i don't have that but i do think um that people that are creative just notice more things and are more sensitive to their environment in general um especially extremely gifted musicians have a tendency to just you know th- there is a test for that by the way um uh, the gourmet chefs and musicians often test similar on when we test for natural abilities which is interesting it's because their senses are more more keen so yeah and i i, I think there there was a book a few years ago called the um, prophetic imagination mm-hmm. that really talked about this link between creativity and the, the lord's voice but hey you know, he used Balaam's mule. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I always use that as a consolation to myself. Is like, well, if he can speak through a donkey, he can he can speak He's through me. To. So, <laughs> yeah. that is one of my. Um, favorite passages of scripture, especially what Balaam prophesied. It's Now that we're coming up on the Christmas season, you know, the the one who is not following God who's on the dark side prophesies the coming of the Messiah and we write it all over Christmas cards a lot lot of times that God can use anybody and and anything. So back to the fictional part, as I said, I don't, I I have a very difficult time reading fiction. I love Mm. footnotes. I love uh, very straightforward, Mm. just give me the facts Mm. and that inspires me, but Mm. I pick picked up your book. And I didn't even know what I was getting into when I started to read it. And all of a sudden I start highlighting things and Deb is looking at me because I read before I go to sleep at night. She's like, first of all, don't get the purple highlighter on the sheets. That was the first thing she said. The (laughs) second thing was, what are you doing? And so I found so many nuggets of truth in this book yeah, it's a fictional book. So is this really truly a fictional book? Or is it something else or a hybrid? What was it that I was reading?
1: Well, the, um, I, I took in the business world we've had for leadership books, there have been uh, people have written teaching fiction for a while. Um, so it, it was meant to, to teach. Uh, and part of the the craft was learning how to, to weave it into the story, so it didn't, you know, it wasn't just sitting on the surface surfaces. Okay, now now she's teaching, uh, so it was meant to to do that. It's a spiritual mystery in um, design, but um, you're not the only person. Well, to start with, you're not the only person that doesn't like to read fiction. I, I, I may be the only person who writes fiction who doesn't read fiction because I'm I'm with you. I, you know, mostly I know how it's going to end when I start. And, you know, uh, anyway, it either horrifies me or bores me. And I haven't found much in between. I haven't found a lot of wholesome. Uh, So, you know, it was intended to teach. So the wisdom is is woven in there and given to the voice of the characters.
0: I'd like to bring up a comment that uh, our viewer, Adam Oxendine, has made. He's a great friend of the live stream, and he also has a very good leadership podcast. We've had him on over here hey, wonderful. and he yeah, he, he's an awesome, awesome guy. We're going to bring him back on next year, too. Uh, he writes uh, he spoke through Moses too. when you're called, you're called Adam. I think you read my notes as to where we're going with this because we're going to talk about calling in a few minutes. But if I remember correctly, Moses had a speech impediment, and that was one of the reasons why he was like, mm-hmm. I can't speak to these people. Was Is that correct? If I'm remembering correctly, Linda? Yeah.
1: Well, yes. Uh, he, well, we don't know if it was an impediment. It doesn't clearly say that, but he felt that he needed Aaron. So that was, you know, Aaron had the, the better voice in his mind. So he recruited Aaron and we, you know, kind of know how some of that turned out. So I, I wonder if God's <laughs> Selection of the team wasn't a bit better than Moses adding, but uh, it, it ended well, I suppose.
0: <laughs> it, it's funny how Moses tried to get out of that. And uh, it, God's like, no, you're, you're the guy that I called. You're it. And, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. but uh, so when I was reading this book, again, talking about the fiction and nonfiction, there are so many references that you make to historical events, such as the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening. And then there's a lot of, and I'm not going to give away the goods on the book because people have to get it and read okay. it. There's a lot about human trafficking in there that's factual. And okay. did you start researching this before you wrote the book, as you were writing the book, or was it a combination of just as you were going and both? Uh,
1: the Great Awakening has been interesting to me for some time. So I had done some research prior. I dug in and... and um, and did more. And you know, I'll share this. I haven't shared this with you. Well, one of the things that I became interested in, I knew I had an ancestor who had moved here in 1633. So that's uh, shortly after the Mayflower and I knew he was clergy. So there had to be some reason that he he came. So I started researching that and uh, as a calling and one thing led to another and I have ancestors who were actively involved preaching during the Great Awakening, which was a fascinating nugget wow. of one of those God incidents that you talk about. So I was already reading the likes of Jonathan Edwards and, you know, most people don't they don't <laughs> consider that to be particularly a good way to spend an afternoon. But I, you know, I've always loved his writing and, you know, one thing led to another. And I even found where um, it, we, he was a friend of the family. So uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating uh, stuff there. Now, what was the original question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the original question was the research. Did you research all of this yeah, before you wrote the book? Yeah. The
1: trafficking piece of yeah. it, no. Other than, especially if you can you know, turn back the clock like 10 years when I'm working on this, there's very little written about it. And it just the problem is so massive and so you know just down the street most people think it's only in major cities and you know only in parts of the world they wouldn't go to and that is not the case at all and nobody was talking about it so part of that was just out of sheer frustration to 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 bring at least a little bit of light to the problem i get prayer assignments sometimes i'll have one for an entire year and okay. um, a couple of years ago, it was just I was to pray over and over and over, set the captives free. Um, and you know, I'll have an eighteen-month prayer assignment, and when it's laid on my heart, I just pray, let the captives free. Um, and
0: so you just, get a hunch that you get a hunch. Jesus
1: does. <laughs> so I, I do. I get an inkling. I'm to pray. I get an, that, inkling. Yes. <laughs> I get an inkling. An inkling. to pray that.
0: Linda, let's talk about the characters and this thing calling. So the main character, and you can correct me if I don't get this correct. The main character thom- Thombai, correct? Am I close? The,
1: it, the- African, the South African uh, yes. pronunciation would be Tombai.
0: Tombai, uh, Tombai. Okay. Tombai.
1: But she moves to Charleston. So I think in Tombi's fine.
0: Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually
1: to me sounds a little better.
0: Tombai, Tombai. I got that. Tombai. I'm going to say that one more time. Tombai. She, as you said, she's from South Africa and then she moves to Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Is there a reason why you chose these two regions specifically as the geographical focal points? Is there an Uh, inkling going on here?
1: uh, Well, there's a little bit of of, uh, personal experience in there. Uh, In my early 20s, I moved to Madrid. So I uh, experienced culture shock about the same age as her. So that, you know, just a sense of culture shock. And um, Joe and I were in South Africa. And uh, we went to Kwande, which is in the book, which is a real place. And when you first arrive, you arrive at what they call the Homestead House. And we met this South African woman, and we maybe had a 10-minute conversation with her. It was a very quick conversation. And uh, it was very clear that she was Christian. It's just one of those things where you just know immediately. And... She uh, shared with us that her father was a missionary in Southern California. I forget exactly if he was in Long Beach or where he was. Um, but it, we left there, and I told Joe, I said, if I ever write a book, there's my main character. So uh, I don't know any, I don't remember anything else about her. I don't know her name, nothing else, but uh, anyway. It would actually like be ha- good to know more about her, but I don't yeah.
0: I like how you incorporate Charleston in there because that's where we are. That's where this live stream originates from is Charleston, South Carolina. So I'm reading about things that I'm very familiar with and it really just adds to the flavor of the story and the way that you describe things. Like I can smell the must in the buildings in downtown Charleston, just <laughs> the way that you uh, describe everything in the book. So one of the things that Tombai is trying to do is she's like a spiritual detective and I like I do like mysteries. I, I can't read them, but just ask Deb, how many episodes of NCIS and all that that I watch? Yeah, oh, yes.
1: Me, too. You know, Me too.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. A fellow fellow fan. There <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, and we've got a fellow Raven's Heart fan, Jermaine uh, from Georgia is uh, just tuning in to us. Good evening, Jermaine. Welcome to the live stream. Um, but Tom Bai, she is like trying to figure out what this thing called calling is and how somebody yes. determines their calling. What is calling? Can you give us a definition of that? Because it gets confusing to a lot of people.
1: Well, the short one would be uh, when the Lord won't leave you alone, I suppose. Uh, But calling is um, what God had in mind when he created you. And I think part of our growth uh, during the sojourn on earth is... uh, discerning that and we talked earlier about there being a progressive revelation i mean sometimes there's a burning bush like moses had but um more often than not it it's rotten in two ways one is heart's desire god will um turn your heart toward what it is that he wants you to do uh, um Here's a little side story. I have a friend who's been an evangelist most of his life, and we uh, have done a lot of business travel together. And once when we were going through security, they searched through his backpack and they pulled out a gas mask. <laughs> so, you know, as we're walking to the plane, he said, I guess you have questions. And <laughs> he said, yeah, he said, I may. He said, "When it when it when it happens, I may be able to lead one more person to Christ because I have my gas mask. Now that's a calling. I mean, he he just has a heart for evangelism. That is a calling. The other way God um, kind of guides us toward our calling is um, he'll he'll pry us loose because sometimes whatever we used to do, we're really attached to, or what you know, he'll do this. Or he does it with Joe and I with the church." You know, if he's ready for us to move to another church, he'll just, you know, he'll he will give the desire, but then he also will kind of loosen the ties to whatever it is that you're doing the, 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 you sp- he, as softly as he, as he uh, can and as loudly as necessary. <laughs> <It's easy laughs>
0: can you explain that loosing a little bit more, that prying away? Yeah. What does that feel like and what does that look okay, like?
1: here's an inkling that i had just uh, i love it a couple weeks ago we had one of our pastors uh, i attend saint michael's in downtown charleston so an old historic church and one of the clergy that we just absolutely love some of the best sermons i have, have ever heard and i he's been there 10 years and i was in a meeting with him a couple of weeks ago and i just had this sense that he's getting ready to leave and the, the meeting was like on a Tuesday, and on Sunday, he announced it. Um, but there was a sense of dissatisfaction, and he's never had that before, never. So I haven't had the conversation with him, but it was just like, ah, God's, you know, not in a good way, because nobody wants to see him leave. But we're happy for him. He's getting a promotion, so we're happy for him.
0: that's awesome that's really neat hey jermaine says that he is a huge mystery fan as well as books and all so jermaine you need to read inklings i thoroughly enjoyed this book and it really opened my eyes to some things that you know I maybe thought and then confirmed and things that I didn't know and it's just really a very nourishing book it's very encouraging it challenges you as a reader that that's the best way I can describe it and then Michelle says calling what and she loves this statement what God had in mind when he made you I love that yeah. so simple it's yeah. so simple yeah. why do people have such a difficult time in determining their calling what are the factors that get in there that make it confusing and difficult to determine you know what it is how it is that god made you
1: i think one of the things well you know obviously the enemy has two jobs uh one is to keep you from knowing christ and then the second one is to keep you from your calling he doesn't give up uh, past that step so the second one is to keep you from your calling but i think a lot of times um we take on too much of the responsibility and i actually even looked this up so i'm going to look at my notes here but um it it, there's really three pieces there's the opportunity uh there's obedience and then there's the outcome and this is one of the crispest clearest models i've ever seen as to whose responsibility is is which piece of it it's the, providing the opportunity is God's responsibility. A lot of times we think it's like a job search and we have to make it happen. Uh, but the <laughs> opportunity is, is God's responsibility and the outcome is God's responsibility. And all we have is the, the step in the middle where um, just the obedience piece of it. Uh, so we, we want to make the whole thing happen like we would do advance our careers or something. I, can I tell a story? You know, I Please, like to
0: I am totally enjoying everything that you're saying. Okay. This is so beneficial.
1: So, so another friend and one of the people I interviewed uh, in writing the book, um, he and his wife were called to move to Zambia uh, in a very, very, very uh, village um, and had to build their own uh, mud hut out of bricks, had no electricity, et cetera. And they went not knowing why, but they were obedient to that step. And the first year was just horrible, very difficult for them. And lo and behold, the Lord had 60 pastors in a, a, I don't know how many mile region. And he ended up teaching the Bible to 60 pastors in, in Zambia. But he didn't know that when he went, he just went because he was called to go. Sold everything here. Had a house in Somerville, and uh, just just went. And now he knows. Well, he knows he he. You know, we still see through a glass dimly. Uh, he knows that he ended up teaching the Bible to sixty pastors, but he has no earthly idea what happened through all of those pastors. I think that's going to be you know part of the beauty of heaven. It's like seeing the ramifications of yes. what we do here.
0: Yes, there's gonna be things that we see in heaven that we had no idea occurred on earth as a result of yes. steps of obedience. You wanna talk about obedience, just stepping away from everything and going somewhere where you yeah. don't know why. That's a huge step of faith.
1: It huge, just absolutely huge. And they were there four and a half years, something like that. Quite some quite some time. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. You know, even with inklings with how this live stream interview came about, how many years did we sit at the same dinner table at business <laughs> dinners, you and your husband, me and my wife, and we're just sitting there enjoying whatever meal. And I had no idea that you were a writer or even that you were, I, I could sense there was something different about you and Joe. I just couldn't put my finger on it. Maybe it's because I was too enthralled in the steak or whatever it was that was on my plate. <laughs> were but they that how that <laughs> <laughs> how many times did we sit together and that I believe that was God arranged
1: oh I'm too. it was ab- yeah. absolutely god arranged. Uh, we were talking this morning about the speaker that we had in town last night so I mean it, we were just so many little dots that we had to connect to even you know know why that happened but uh you know lots of things are in divine timing too. That,
0: uh, yes yeah that that's a key word divine timing he's not too fast and he's not too slow he's always no, he's always on time no. let's talk about the artwork on the cover there's something that I find the, the artwork on the cover of the book is very beautiful uh with the eyes atone eyes and you actually have a chapter in here called eyes and it, you talk about her eyes a lot what is the significance of the eyes why do you draw attention to her eyes
1: yeah, you know, the um, eyes are the window of the soul is is, is part of it. Um, but I wanted her to be, she's, she's complicated on the inside. Uh, she's so, I tried to make her the antithesis of the stereotype of someone, her age, her gender, her height, everything. I, I tried to make her on the inside quite different. Then. so I thought I'd make the outside look interesting as well. And it, it you know, it's the fun of, part of the joy of writing fiction is you can, you make up people. So I could take, you know, one person's hair and somebody else's eyes and <laughs> someone else's mannerisms and cobble together characters. It's quite fun to do. <laughs> so, you know, several of the, several of the main characters are an amalgamation of people I know. That I?
0: Okay. Have. Well, I didn't see a guy in there shoveling steak in his face, so I I, I guess I didn't make this book. So <laughs>
1: The next one, the next one. The, I didn't know you when I wrote it. That would be a true inkling to write you in if
0: I hadn't even <laughs> met you yet. But. Yeah, when, when you read the book, and, and this is the case with any book, and I was really asking God about this, and I want to talk about this in some detail, you know, everything comes together in the book. There's an end, there's a definite beginning, all the middle pieces, all the intricacies, it, it all comes together. And that's the way a good book is written. There's no hanging plot where you're just like, huh? Well, you know, what, what, what's going to yeah, happen it. next? You know. Um, and then let's apply that to life in general. And I'm going to ask you this question. Because I am now a firm believer that there is no such thing as coincidences. I want your take on that. Is there any such thing as a coincidence?
1: You know, I, I used to think the little things could be, you know, the stoplight that broke so that you, know, you have to go another way, or I and I, I, you know, and I doubt that now. I mean, even the the little things. I I think the. Um, the Lord is active. I mean, some people believe that He created the world and just wound it up like a top and walked away. And I do not believe that Scripture teaches that. Uh, I believe He's He's active, and active in our in our lives. And I, you know, there's just way too many things for it to be. They're God incidents. <laughs>
0: yeah i That's would i would have to yeah i would i would totally have to agree and really when you take a look at it because when i was asking god about this i was like okay plot coincidences everything ties together how does this apply to life and it took me to that scripture the one that we showed at the beginning that god is the author which is very mm, fitting for what great. we're talking about yes. he is the author and the finisher of our faith and i went and i took a look at what the greek word author means it actually means prince. Very it, really? it does, yes. No. Prince, yes.
1: I'm sitting here thinking, I hey, have i never looked that up. I don't know what it yep. means. It really, but
0: yes. Okay. Prince, Captain, the originator. And when you think about it, all the things that Occur in our lives, especially for those that love him, like in Romans 8:28 says, and we know that all things work together for good, them that love him, love God, to them who are the call, the called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's created us and in, in the way that he desired, put all those things in us, put our callings in us, what he desired us to be and all of these arrangements it's kind of like a giant storybook that we're living in looking at it that way. So Mm. I was like, wow. But yeah, um, the the word author means prince uh, that uh, that one oh, in the, wow in the, yeah. That's no i have not looked that up but it's
1: amazing
0: <laughs> yes jermaine says he would love to connect with you and we'll get uh get uh, your information out at the end of the live stream um uh-huh. for jermaine to connect with you which would be awesome and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of other people That'd that want to connect with you as well be be awesome for that um, and I've got a question from Adam and I'm going to, okay. Adam says, was there any moment you said, yep, God, that was you aside from milestones like children and relationships like hit, hit or miss moment or a feeling of divine intervention?
1: Oh, uh, well, as, as it relates to the book. Um, when I started doing the family research and one thing led to another, I can, I can even like tell you where I was standing when I realized this, I have an ancestor who was George Whitfield's best friend. George Whitfield had two friend, two best friends, and he asked to be buried between the two of them. So one of the people buried with George Whitfield is an ancestor of mine, and I was just absolutely shocked, <laughs> stunned. And we have since uh, been to Newburyport, Massachusetts, and. Uh, um, anyway, but I, I, I was just, I yelled into the other room. I said, Joe, you, you were absolutely not going to believe this. this. I was just stunned. So I was stunned that I was halfway through a book, which, you know, a, a lot of it uh, wove the Great Awakening into, into the book. Not that it's set in that time period, but uh, it, it's in there. And before I knew that, which is just kind of a God thing, it's totally a God thing.
0: As I was reading the book, I could tell that there were some family connections in there the way that it was written, and you kind of allude to it a little mm. bit in the book. And I was like, mm. I, I didn't write that down as a question beforehand, but I was like, okay, there must be, and that confirms my suspicion that there is some family connection there. That is really mm. neat.
1: There Michelle, is a family I, connection, and I, and I wasn't aware of it until I started writing. Go ahead, oh, that John. is Sorry. that
0: is... That is so neat. No, absolutely not. Michelle has a comment that she'd like to make. And uh, a lot of people being ministered to tonight. tonight. This is awesome. She said, yes, God is very active. When I connect the dots in my life, I am just blown away. No coincidence for sure. Yes. How many times, based off of Michelle's uh, comment, how many times have you looked back and it's taken maybe a year or longer to realize how the dots have all connected? Is that something that happens to you?
1: You know, it does, you know, even when we're working with uh, leadership teams, there's an exercise we'll do where we have them go back through their life. We have them d- uh, depict it from a uh, like uh, artistically, just doodles or, or whatever. But um, if you look back at your life, you can see the connections. I mean, it's hard to do it without having a heart of gratitude. And even when you step back and look at it, even the suffering, I mean, even something that was just absolutely horrible at the time um, takes on a different meaning when you when you look back at it and you see this caused this caused caused that. So, I, um, I have a friend that's written a book called "Shaped by Suffering," and I, I really the church doesn't teach much about suffering other than you know how to care for people who suffer but we're we are in a soul forming world i mean this our time on earth is soul forming for eternity and um suffering is is part of it
0: part of what got us to here to this live stream and to where we are tonight mm-hmm. is because i survived a brain tumor yeah. If wow. it were not for that, we that. would not, yeah, we would not be here yeah. doing this. And that was a horrible time of my life and several years of intense pain afterwards, even after. And before we all thought it was a sinus infection that just never went away. Oh, and wow. then it was, yeah, eventually diagnosed. They they found it on a CT scan and they were able to get it out. And that was back in, that was 13 years ago when that, uh, when that happened. So I can relate to the suffering and at the time I didn't understand what was going on, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, I needed to go through that to get to where I am now and to what God's been really yeah. understanding what my true calling is through that. And going back to calling, what can people do to better discern the hand and voice of God um, for their calling and also to with all of these events that seem to be disjointed in their life? How can they better see? and understand what God is doing to understand those inklings that they're experiencing.
1: Especially in the times we live in. I mean, uh, those of us, um, and those that are listening to this, we were, we're on this earth in these times. Uh, so we're here for such a time as this. And especially now, I am an advocate of having an inner circle, not a team, (laughs) doesn't have to be a large group, but uh, just two or three people. Some people call them accountability groups, but I really see it as, as much more than that. So it helps if you have people praying with you. So I, I have a, a, a small circle, um, and if and we'll, we'll all pray and see what we're hearing from the Lord. And, and they will they'll tell me what they're hearing even if it doesn't make sense to them. Uh, I was praying for um, um, the mother of our goddaughter uh, last week. And I I just, um, the only thing I was hearing, I just kept hearing the word no. So I texted her and I said, well, I don't even know what the question is. She had uh, emailed and said, we have a big decision to make, will you pray? And I just texted her no, uh, because that's all I was, was hearing, but. Anyway, having that other believers that will listen to the Lord and have the courage to tell you things. And then she told me what the question was after I told her the answer. (laughs) 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 And prayer prayer is amazingly advantageous for big decisions.
0: I I would tend to agree uh, totally with that. So that gives a whole different definition to an accountability group. Because in a lot of churches, especially some of your more fundamental independent churches, accountability group is kind of like the sin police that shows up on your doorstep. Uh, You you know, it's a total perversion of that. Yeah. And also, too, would you say that the accountability groups kind of get you out of your own head and out of your own mind? It would help you sort through what's you, what's your conscience and what's the voice of God?
1: Yeah, we know it slows you down, too, and it it helps you. discern as opposed to decide Um, and my you know they're really my inner circle prayer team they're prayer warriors and, and they're people that, you know, a lot of people, when you ask them to pray, they'll say, Oh yes, I'll pray for you. But then, <laughs> but you know, they don't. Yeah, they, they're uh, going off to watch yeah. the world
0: series. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like,
1: yeah no, no, they're not, they're not going to do that. But these are people who actually will, will pray. They, they, we didn't talk about this, but there was a lot of warfare while I was writing the book Every That's one of the ways to know you're on the right path. Um, There's a quote, I wish I could find who said it, that says when revival is about to happen, Satan is the first to revive. So uh, I know a lot of people in ministry that will tell you that uh, if Satan's nipping at their heels, they feel like, okay, I must be right over the target (laughs) because he's not happy.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't you say, though, that is counterintuitive to what we would think in our minds and our flesh that, hey, if we're moving on the right path, it's going to be easy street and all this blessing is going to immediately flow and everything's going to work?
1: Uh, I'll just talk about the the long Inklings journey. Uh, Every step I, I didn't necessarily want to do. But if I was obedient, then it became just pure joy. And then the Lord would have to research, for example. Then the Lord would have to pry me loose because I would just still be researching. Uh, but a specific example, um, I had done all the research, done all the interviews, and the Lord was saying, um, it's time to start writing. Just you know, pick up the keyboard and write. And for some reason, everything would get in the way. There was just such a battle. So I told Joe, we were not living in Charleston's time. We were still living in Davidson, North Carolina. And I said, okay, New Year's Day is a very inexpensive day to stay in a hotel. So I'm driving to Charleston, I'm going to the Mills house and I'm just going to check in for a few days so I can get unstuck and actually start writing. And lo and behold, I, I got into town in time for dinner. Uh, and at midnight, had it was going to get up early and start writing. And at midnight, I woke up with food poisoning. So oh, um wow. It doesn't sound like a coincidence <laughs> I don't wow. I the god I <laughs> enemy incident. But at that point I was just bound and determined that he wasn't going to win. So um, you know, this is like way too much information to put out on the airwaves. But you get these little like, you know, ten minutes when you're not sick. So I wrote. I I'm sure the words were awful and I probably threw all of those away, but I was determined I was going to the enemy wasn't going to win. I was going to start.
0: So, so that leads to a question that I have. And I think I, I'd like a little bit more understanding in this myself, because we know that Satan is and the powers of darkness are only allowed to move as far and as deep yes. as God allows them. So yes. if we're moving on the right track, why does God allow us to in face that and deal with that if we're moving on the right track again it's totally counterintuitive to just natural thinking
1: yeah i don't know maybe i'll ask when i get to heaven because i do not know the answer to that but we well let's we are in the middle of a spiritual warfare i mean the it is going on all around us um it is uh and and i think if you're not a threat, there's not as much battle. Uh, but whenever you are in a, in a place where you're, you're getting close to, to being in your, your calling, and I put some of that in the book. I, I put some of that into yes. to Tomby's story when the opportunity presented itself for her to step into her calling, you know, the battle just in, intensified Greatly. And I put that in there because a lot of people experience that when they're trying to do their calling. You know, sometimes it's comical. Technology is just, you know, never on our side.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> like tonight, but we made it. <laughs>
1: we made it. We made it. We're on iPad instead of
0: computer.
1: But we made it.
0: <laughs> no, it works. And we were discussing that before we came on. The number of times that I've had Windows decide to update, like five minutes before we're yes. going to go live. Yeah. Uh, I've had microphone failures. I've had everything uh, happen to, and even COVID. Um, I had COVID in June When we were getting ready for one of our biggest interviews, and I did the interview with COVID. So. You know but we did it and god blessed it yes yes so michelle says wow makes me think of events prior to and during the get revelation rock fest but god yes we've got a michelle is on our rock fest committee and we had a lot of warfare both before and during uh the show and uh we knew we were on the right track when satan started nipping (laughs) at our heels so another question for you about the characters in the book um One of the characters that I find most fascinating is Miss May. And how is it that she fits into this whole scheme of Tom by trying to find out what calling is? Because she, she, you know, she's just kind of like one of those mysterious characters to me that has all this wisdom. Uh, Can you share a little bit more about Miss May for us?
1: Well, I had, after 10 years of researching the glory of God, I, I, you know, I read mystics. I read everything Edwards wrote, uh, and so I had all this really deep theological, um, and I, you know, I, May was an easy place to put it. So some of the quotes that she gives, you know, comes from a twelfth-century a, a monk. <laughs> so, but May has the wisdom. So, <laughs> and she could put uh, she could put it in 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 plain voice, and she's completely fearless. You know, she's not trying to yeah. impress anybody. She's completely. Uh, Fearless. So
0: um, anyway, one of the things that I enjoy. I about love her, May.
1: I didn't do anything mean to May in the book because I just you know adore May.
0: <laughs> one of the things that I really enjoy about her is she just totally defies human intellect with her wisdom. You know, oh, absolutely. I, yeah, it's totally just totally. It's the most. Prof- she says the most profound things, and then you have college professors and everybody in this book, and she's just just putting it out there, just plain wisdom.
1: Well, and, and, you know, if you've been in a church any length of time, uh, we've all known the little old lady that, you know, spends three hours a day in her Bible and in prayer, but nobody listens to her. (laughs) So I put May in there so somebody would listen to the truly spiritually mature that didn't look the part. She didn't have the PhD. She didn't look the part, but uh, she's in there as a very spiritually mature wise woman. teacher
0: it reminds me of the proverb about the poor man the the man that was poor Mm -hmm. that gave the plans to save the city And they saved the city but then afterwards nobody remembered him or regarded him he was just that one that had the wisdom put it out there the city was saved it's like okay yeah back to our ivory towers of academia and intellect and yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you got this guy that's just he he just has this wisdom because his heart is heart is towards the lord so as you were writing inklings over this 10-year period what was something that jesus showed you about himself that was fresh revelation to you you're like oh wow i never never realized that
1: oh wow um people have asked me this people that know me well uh, uh, some of the spiritual experiences that characters in the book have are based on personal spiritual experiences um they're uh, impossible to write about there just really isn't language so i i did my best and i only wrote about things that i would ask permission um uh permission of the lord before writing about them but there's there's some experiences in the book that are based on real experiences and i remember right before publish um one of the editors wanted to take one of them out and i I just said no (laughs) know that one that one that's not mine I, I it's not it's above my pay grade to remove
0: it so yeah good good for you because those spiritual experiences that you explain in the book i'm not going to give the goods away so that people actually go right. read it right. it's it's just refreshing to know that those things do occur because there's a lot of people they have those things happen and they have those experiences and i'm talking about believers who <laughs> are like what do I do with this? You know, this is just so totally foreign to me. And I found that very comforting because I can relate to a lot of the things that that you write in there about those. Um, Michelle has another comment. She says, seems like you've been able to pack a lot of wisdom and insight into this book. Michelle, you are absolutely correct all of the purple highlighting that is in this book is all the wisdom that I was able to glean out of it. Starting with the first chapter, I started highlighting right away. I was not expecting to do that. And she says, it definitely sounds worth reading. And yes, I highly, highly recommend this book. Um, It presents spiritual things in the context that there's romance in this book as well. Uh, th- there's a romance in here actually quite a bit of romance in this book and it's very well put together and if you live in the Charleston area you will be able to recognize a lot of things in this book that um, that Linda puts in there so not only are you an author but you're also a consultant but you're a very different kind of consultant you're basically the consultant with the hunch and you're pretty much a profit to the profitable. Can you tell us about that and about your consulting that you do?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. So my um, corporate business, I go into companies that are in need of change and uh, take colleagues. I, you know, in recent years, it's come to me that what we do is revival. We revive organizations, um, and uh, we don't always get to tell them just the whole truth, but we come really close to being able to share Jesus. We at least take the light of Jesus into organizations and I uh, have had the privilege of working with, I don't even know how many leaders over the years. Um, but um, love what I do. It's a blessing.
0: If you really think about it, real true wisdom derived from scripture never fails.
1: No, it, it doesn't. You, it's, you
0: can't. You can't refute it.
1: Yeah, it's the reason people say, "Why haven't you ever written a leadership book?" Because I have plenty of stories. Put <laughs> in the <a> leadership <laughs> book because I mean, we, when we go in to study an organization, we can go anywhere, talk to anyone. So we, you know, have a lot of examples. But you know, true leadership is just based on biblical wisdom. It is, you know, if you go all the way back to the the original source, it's just, it's from from the creator of the universe
0: it is it is and the big the big thing now the big um mantra is servant leadership which i think is great you know i know institutions that are pushing that that's a big push in the military right now And you boil it all down. That was Jesus's leadership model. So basically what they're doing is, you know, after we've gone through all these years of the corporate hierarchy, it's like, oh, well, servant leadership works better. Well, yes, it does, because that is divinely inspired leadership. And I've even read Sun Tzu's leadership uh, in the art of war. And I'm like, this is, you know, a lot of this is based upon the logos of scripture. You know, it's, it's divinely inspired from the father. You cannot go wrong. With that type leadership, if somebody wanted to reach out to you as a consultant, how would they be able to do that? How can they get in touch with you, Linda?
1: Sure. I'll I'll give you direct. My website is I have two. I have one uh, for my Christian writer site, but Linda dot com um, there. And it's just like it sounds just Linda dot com. And there's a bit more information out there. My email, which is a great way to contact me, is Linda Prince at mindspring.com, M I N D S P R I N G.com. And that's direct.
0: And where can people get a copy of this awesome book, Inklings?
1: Yes, it, it well. You can either email me and I'll send you one, or anywhere books are sold. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Just any anywhere uh, books are sold, you can uh, get to it. So.
0: That is wonderful. Linda, thank you for joining us this evening. If you can just hold, I have a few housekeeping announcements before we let everybody go to bring up, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, just wanted to remind you that yes, the tickets for Get Revelation Rock Fest 2022 are on sale. Uh, you can get them at lithoscry.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. Yes, you can get them now on presale. We got some great deals for you. Get Revelation Rock Fest is going to take place on May 14th at the Hanahan Amphitheater. And if you live in the Charleston area and this is your first time tuning into us, this is uh, an event that you're not going to want to miss. And also too, Go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube if you're watching us on YouTube Live. Uh, You can also listen to our replay on Apple iTunes and on Podbean at lithoscry.podbean.com. So a lot of cool stuff going on. And what's going to happen is next week, I am going to take the week off, believe it or not. I am going to take a week off. And then I'll be back on the evening of Thursday, the 18th. And we're going to have the ladies from Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh. Awesome awesome band and i didn't even think about it but talk about inklings we're moving into the holiday season when people are thinking about gold frankincense and myrrh and that is the band that we're going to have and be featuring on november 18th at 8 p.m eastern time so you'll want to tune in for that everybody thank you for joining us um linda again thank you for joining us this evening and one more time how can people reach out to you because i know people have a lot of questions and they want to get in touch with you
1: Uh, Just simply Linda Prince at MindSpring.com, M-I-N-D-S-P-R-I-N-G.com.
0: All right, Linda, I'll talk to you after the show a little bit more. And to all of our viewers and our listeners until next, uh, until the 18th, that is, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.